The Celtic theologian J. Philip Newell writes in the introduction to his new book, Sacred Earth, Sacred Souls, that each of us knows things at the core of our being that we have not necessarily been taught. Some of this deep knowing will be at odds with what our society or religion has tried to teach us. In each of the episodes in this series, we have wondered together how we might reawaken to what we know in the depths of our being. We have looked for the ways that would help us reawaken to the knowing that reminds us that the earth is sacred, and this sacredness is at the heart of every human being and every life form. In this final episode of Sacred Earth, Sacred Souls, you will briefly meet Kenneth White, a modern Celtic prophet that Newell shares in the last chapter of his book. Like so many great Celtic prophets before him, White looks for the shining that is deep within all things. White is not, though, a naive romanticist. He knows the world is both terrible and joyous. There's both glory and pain, beauty and suffering in our lives and in the world. But deepest always is the shining which he calls the loveliness. We welcome his presence with us as we close this series. You're listening to Holy Heresy, a podcast that looks for the questions found at the intersection of spirituality, justice, and the arts. Holy Heresy is brought to you by the First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. Well, as Michael said, today we end our series on sacred earth, sacred souls. We have been digging into the depths of Celtic theology over these past two months. And for many of us, this has become a sacred journey. Our guide on this journey has been J. Philip Newell. And if you didn't get a copy of his book at the beginning of October, I would suggest you buy it for yourself for Christmas. It is an amazing book. 
In the conclusion of Sacred Earth, Sacred Souls, Newell tells the story about an incident a few years ago when he was delivering some of the themes from this book at a lecture in California. About halfway through his talk, a woman in the audience, who had attended many of his talks before, leaned over to the person next to her and said in a stage whisper, he's an effing radical. <laughs> of course, everyone heard what she said. He knew she didn't mean to be critical, rather she meant it as an endorsement. What he found interesting was that she had just realized this. She had heard him speak so many times before, yet suddenly it all connected for her, sitting in that particular place at that particular time. In that moment, the woman finally put two and two together. In that moment, she understood that to speak of the sacredness of the earth and the sacredness of every human being holds enormous implications for each of us in our time and place. When Reverend Michael and I decided to do this creation series this summer, before Newell's book was even published, for very different reasons, we both felt a pull to this work. I'm a little like the woman in the story, and even though my spouse and I did spend a week in California with Newell in Montecito during January of 25, I swear it was not me who said that. I would not have used that word. I would not have said radical, I would have said heretic. Six years ago, I was deep into the heretics Newell had introduced me to a few years before. As you heard on that first week of this series, I am very fond of the heretics of my faith. Yet I have never considered myself a radical. A doubter, yes. A questioner, yes. An influencer, yes. But never a radical. For me, Celtic theology has been a sacred journey. A journey I had been on for a very long time. When finally someone threw open a door and I walked over the threshold into a new light. A light that gave me a sense of freedom I had never felt before. I've realized over these weeks as I've spoken to a lot of you about the things that we have talked about that it might seem as if Reverend Michael and I have figured all of this out long ago. The truth is, we are on the road with you, still searching and being amazed at every turn. And while we are not sure of the exact route, we are sure of the destination. We believe we are in the midst of what Newell calls a great reawakening to the sacredness of the earth and of the human soul. Yet as Newell reminds us, we also see all around us the reactions to this awakening on the part of those who have a vested interest in maintaining the systems that they believe are righteous, systems that neglect the sacredness of every species, systems that deny the sacredness of every race, every gender, gender identity, and sexual orientations. 
We saw this week the evidence of the systems and how strong their power is in keeping the injustices they believe are vital to their survival. We also saw the ways they manipulate people and keep them from believing the truth they know deep within their hearts. We have seen for years now how the systems have exploited the earth and all its creatures. The forces truly believe their wealth and power will win the day and the cost for the earth and us is simply a casualty they will not lose sleep over. And yet I agree with Newell that these reactionary forces do not represent the deep spirit in the movement of this time. In the eighth chapter of the book of Romans in the New Testament, the writer says, we know the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Within the mystery of God, the writers present and our present are interconnected in a place where the past, the present, and the future meet. And if we listen carefully, we will know the ancestors are with us, telling us, do not make our mistakes. Do not forget the sacredness of the earth and all its creatures. Now, as it was then, these reactionary forces represent a frightened denial of the awakening. Please understand this is not to downplay their power and their might of resistance, as Newell insists. He reminds us not to underestimate the enormous task before us in confronting and challenging these systems of inequity. I have loved spending these weeks in the midst of all of this with some of my favorite heretics and all of you. I don't usually go back and listen to services and messages, yet since we're preparing this week to launch our first church podcast, which we have decided to call Holy Heresy, I have revisited the people who have been leading us. These weeks have given me a greater appreciation for the great prophetic voices from the Celtic world. It was Newell's desire in writing Sacred Earth, Sacred Soul that these prophets would help reawaken us to what we already know deep within us, that the earth and all its creatures are sacred. This reawakening is profoundly challenging how we live. This reawakening is essential work for us as individuals and as a community of faith. So Newell writes, this is why Pelagius, my favorite heretic, was banished from the empire, why legends about Bridget were toned down by medieval Catholicism, why Eugenia was condemned by Rome. It is why the people who gathered the sacred words and the music from the earliest Celtic knowings were persecuted by religious and political authorities in Scotland. It is the same reason that John Muir's attempts to save Hecti'i Valley in Yosemite 
was defeated by the U.S. Congress. In the same way, it is why Deschardin was forbidden by the Vatican to teach and why the BBC silenced MacLeod during the war. Kenneth White is the last heretic that Newell shares in the book. White is a modern Celtic prophet whose work passionately points to the sacred journey, the critical journey that is opening to us from the heart of life in every moment. The journey which is the way forward into a new heaven and a new earth, not in some galaxy far, far away, but here and now. With the words of the heretical poets still on our lips, with their prophecies beginning to work its way into our souls, the question becomes, what is ours to do in this time. Newell insists that speaking out is essential. As Kenneth White said, seeing and saying is power. White believed that when we see in new ways and have the courage to speak it, we access the deep power of our souls. In the Celtic world from the earliest century, speech was viewed as our greatest strength, greater than any physical force. True words hold a mighty energy for change. This is truth force or soul force in the language of Gandhi. It is the power of truth spoken from the heart of our being into the heart of our listeners, allowing what is deepest in us to awaken what is deepest in them. Kenneth White's geopoetics spoke to me in such deep ways, which says a great deal for someone who is not overly fond of poetry. I had a very difficult time deciding which poem to use, though I think the one I have chosen is a wonderful benediction for these weeks we have shared and the future that is ours now. Listen with your whole heart. The loveliness is everywhere, even in the ugliest and most hostile environment. The loveliness is everywhere, at the turning of a corner, in the eyes and on the lips of a stranger, in the emptiest areas where there is no place for hope, and only death invites the heart, the loveliness is there. It emerges incomprehensible, inexplicable. It rises in its own reality. And what we must learn is how to receive it into ours. May it be so. Amen.
If you enjoyed the Holy Heresy podcast and would like to support these continuing conversations, visit fccla.org give and follow the prompts. Donations are tax deductible and all gifts support the social outreach, faith-based exploration, and commitment to the arts that is First Church. Holy Heresy comes from the conversations that begin in our live services on Sunday mornings. Each week we explore the growing edges of theological thought, the exploration of the links between science and religion, the challenges of spiritual practice in 21st century Los Angeles, and most of all, the joys of sharing community in the creative capital of the world. This podcast is produced and directed by David Harris and Laura Velfragan, David Garcia Saldana, Production Manager, Laurel Irene, Audio Mixing. Originally recorded by Mark Doten, Casper Abbo, Danny Hess, Cameron Johnston, and David Mitchell. Musical credits for this episode include Afro-Cuban from Three Jazz Organ Preludes by Johannes Michel, played by Christoph Bull on the Great Organs. Confiteor from The Mass by Patrick Cassidy, performed by Laude, directed by David Harris and Christoph Bull. Prelude by César Franck, played by Christoph Bull. And Let All Things Now Living by Catherine Davis, performed by Laude and Christoph Bull. Thank you for your presence here today. We're all are welcome.